This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Emily Esfahani-Smith. I am the author of The Power of Meaning and a journalist. I write about psychology and culture and uh, religion and relationships. A lot of philosophy departments in the United States are no longer interested in this question of meaning and what is a good life, even though that has been, you know, for thousands of years, the central question of philosophy. And then I realized that it was actually within the field of psychology and specifically the subfield of positive psychology where questions of meaning were being taken seriously. And so um, in in 2012, 2013, I got a master's degree in positive psychology and there really um, was fascinated by and also surprised by some of the research that I came across about meaning and related concepts like happiness. And that was really when I began writing about it as a journalist. It's kind of in the, you know, American DNA to value happiness. And I think that's true of kind of Western culture in general, um, that there is this emphasis on happiness and happiness specifically defined as a positive mental and emotional state, positive feelings. If you feel good, you're happy. If you feel bad, you're unhappy. It's this emotion that comes and goes. That's how most psychologists and philosophers define it. And that's how um, the term kind of gets used in the media where there are all these articles on happiness and books about happiness. Um, And, you know, you get this impression, I think a lot of people do anyways, I certainly did, that we should really be organizing our lives around this pursuit of happiness. But the research that surprised me um, about happiness was it turns out that when we value happiness the way that our culture encourages us to do and chase it in that way, people actually end up feeling unhappy and more lonely as a result of that kind of single-minded focus on happiness. And this, um, this was really interesting to me because at the same time that that research was coming out, you know, about, you know, 10 years ago or so, there was also this more and more attention being paid to the rising mental illness crisis in our country with increasing rates of suicide, self-harm, anxiety, loneliness, depression, pretty much every single indicator of mental illness that I, I was seeing was kind of ticking upwards, especially among younger people, you know, teenagers, young adults. And And when you look at the research, what it shows is that this rising tide of despair and misery isn't predicted by a lack of happiness in people's lives, but by a lack of meaning in people's lives. And so 
I think that when people are chasing happiness with in this feverish way, what they're actually trying to satisfy in themselves is this longing for meaning that is deeper, but it's, you know, happiness is like the candy bar when you're starving, you know, it, it's like a quick fix, but really what you need is kind of more nourishing food, which is meaning. Transcendence is definitely a concept that um, I think is close to religion and, and spirituality. And there is this kind of narrative in Western history that, you know, over the last 200 years, the world has become disenchanted because of, you know, the rise of science and evolution, which is, you know, just the, the sense of, you know, wonder or the feeling of the presence of God in everything that, you know, our ancestors for hundreds and thousands of years explain the world is, is no longer there. Um, and so I think people can be, there is this skepticism, um, this scientific skepticism towards transcendence. Um, let me define it. So, so transcendent experiences are these experiences or moments in our lives where we're lifted above the hustle and bustle of daily life and we feel connected to something much bigger whether it's nature, God, you know, universal consciousness, um, other people, you know, people who've had these experiences talk about oceanic feelings of oneness with the world. Um, they talk about feeling like they're in contacting a reality that's more real than the reality that they experience day to day. So, you know, it, it's kind of taking outside of ordinary consciousness, taking outside of ordinary reality to something that feels more true. And, um, and there are a lot of different ways to experience this particular pillar, you know, meditation, prayer, liturgical services, certainly that that was their, that was their, their purpose um, historically is to kind of get you outside of ordinary time and space into sacred time and space and to bring you into contact with God or whatever the higher thing is. Um, music as well. Um, but there are all kinds of secular ways as well, you know, whether it's music or being in nature, um, collective movement like dancing, um, these are all these ways that we kind of lose ourselves and connect with something bigger. And so I, I you know, in the research, it, it shows that there, there are all kinds of um, positive benefits that, that occur when you have these kinds of experiences. Um, there's, on, on the one hand, there's something kind of frightening about them at times because when you experience a sense of under, a sense of wonder and awe when you come into contact with something that's so vast, like, you know, the Grand Canyon or, or whatever, um, it can make you feel tiny and insignificant. And, and, and that's scary. Um, you know, awe and awful are, you know, that's the same kind of root. And, and yet at the same time with those feelings of fear, there is this sense that even though I'm so small, I feel connected to something. I am part of something much bigger and that kind of redeems the fear and makes the experience feel intrinsically meaningful. And afterwards, you know, people kind of reorient their values. Um, well, they claim that their, their, the experience shifts their values so that if before they were more focused on achievement or um, themselves, now they're more focused on, you know, compassion and, and other people. And this, you know, this comes up, this is a finding that kind of comes up a lot. So. So I, I do think that there, these experiences are important and there is a kind of a healthy way to access them. And, and they can really be 
life-changing. There's this whole body of research right now around um, giving people psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And it induces a major transcendent experience in people. And what they find is that afterwards, you know, people who'd been addicted to smoking for decades, their addiction just goes away. People who are facing terminal illness, their fear of death goes away. So it is, it's really powerful. You know, one reason why I felt so compelled to write about meaning and, and, and in articles initially and then in, in my book, The Power of Meaning, is there. I think there's this idea in our culture that you have to do something grand to lead a meaningful life. You have to be extraordinary in some way. And really, um, any life, it can be meaningful. We're all doing things in our lives that are intrinsically meaningful. You know, the work that we do all, you know, one of the benefits of a capitalist society is that all work fills some need in the world. So figuring out, you know, what that need is and connecting what you do, you know, to that larger picture. Um, Even, you know, something as simple as, you know, doing the dishes, that's contributing to kind of a sense of home for yourself and for the ones that you love. Everything that we do can be endowed with meaning if we have, you know, the right mindset. And that means that we're all capable of, of leading a meaningful life. Making Meaning is a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. It is produced by me, Zachary Davis, and Jack Pombriand. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by sharing the show with your friends, subscribing, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. For more information, visit our website at ministryofideas.org. You can connect with us on Twitter, where we're at Ministry of Ideas. You can also email us at Zachary at ministryofideas.org. We would love to hear from you. Ministry of Ideas is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a Boston-centric collective of smart, idea-driven podcasts. You can check out all of our shows at hubspokeaudio.org.